2: Back for another edition of the Finn Radio. This is the Jake and Josh Show. I am Jake Mendel, joined by Josh Houts, who are both joined by Topher the Gopher, Mocker, and Kalkin. How are you doing tonight, buddy? Thanks for joining
0: us. Thank you. Uh, it feels weird talking football, given what's going on in this world. So, um, you know, it, uh, a sense of normalcy has been brought back to life. And with that, yeah, we have you thank
3: football for that.
2: Absolutely. And we have plenty to talk about because of it. We have schedule talk. I think I'm going to hit Topher with the good old-fashioned and let me talk you into every single game that uh, the Dolphins are going to win and or lose. I think that is always a fun one. We have numbers. We finally have numbers. And no matter what number Tua Tagovailoa was going to pick, it was going to be the wrong one. So we'll get into that. But first, gentlemen, I am so disappointed And not only both of you, who who, neither of you helped me with this, and the rest of Twitter. I was really floundering out there. I was writing a column for the newspaper, and I wanted to talk about my first Dolphins memory. And of course, I can't completely remember my first Dolphins memory. However, it involved somebody eating a turkey leg on Thanksgiving. And I could not come to any type of conclusion on this. And this was before the number came out. This was before the draft, and nobody wanted to help me with this. I thought this was the most important Dolphin news for us to really establish who in Miami Dolphin history has eaten a turkey leg on Thanksgiving. Right? It can boil down to two games. We have two games that we could have chosen from 2003 and 2006. Right? Cowboys in 03, Lions in 06. Now, both of you, who ate a turkey leg?
3: I saw say so it, hey, it was Joey Harrington, and that's kind of the guy that I remember doing it. was it Joey Harrington?:
2: I have no idea. I, that's why I, this is nothing has been confirmed.
3: I, I don't think you can Google who ate a turkey leg on you know Thanksgiving NFL 2000 whatever and a search bar or an image is going to pop up with them just nomina <laughs> on a turkey leg. I don't know if it works that way.
0: It doesn't. I tried. I trust. Uh I, I feel like it's a like some random stat that Fox would actually throw up on their television of like the last dolphin that eat a turkey, like if they actually played on Thanksgiving. So uh, the issue with that is
2: though, Fox does their own thing where they give out like a it has an award. Uh, um, sorry, the, I gallop-
3: the galloping gobbler.
2: Yeah, right. So they actually give the turkey like out as part of their like award. However, CBS most certainly, I think. It might be during the post game show. It might be when they're all up on the booth and like the game's actually been over for like an hour. You know, like they usually bring a player or two back out who had a good game. I think that's when it happened. That is what I think happened, and I, for the life of me, there, there's no history to it. Apparently, it didn't happen, and I'm just crazy.
3: No, someone definitely ate a turkey leg. And I saw someone say, you know, that's a Fox exclusive. It's freaking Thanksgiving. You know, they're going to make yeah. turkey dinner, stuffing. Yeah. It's going to be cold as hell at the end of the game, and someone's going to eat the turkey leg. And it, it happened, but I am I have no idea who did it. No, I'm going to be completely honest. Joey Harrington and uh, Ricky I like Fiedler was
0: the, I feel like Fiedler was the quarterback for that game. See, because Fiedler was it in
2: 2003 – and Joey Harrington was in 2006. So both of those I could definitely
0: see being right. Because that's 11. when, like, Chris Chambers went nuts. I was Chris Chambers. Yep, that
3: was. I was just going to say, it. you're right. Chris Chambers had a monster game. What was it, like three touchdowns? Yeah,
0: it was. It got you suckered in. Where you're like, oh, this team's, they, they can do this. They can do this.
2: And so what I do know is I think I remember Jason Taylor eating a turkey leg which would make sense for the 2003 game against the Cowboys because I believe he returned a fumble for six. Okay. I remember correctly. So that sounds about right. And 2003, I, I kind of remember where I was living. I, I kind of remember because it was around the same time, well, a month after where the, the Yankees, Aaron Bleeping Boone against Tim Wakefield as a Red Sox fan. That one's a, that kind of sticks with me. So it was around that time. And and around the same place, so I want to say two thousand three. But if anybody out there has, for some reason, in their basement, I keep all the post game shows of the Thanksgiving games because that's a big deal to me. I'm not going to judge whoever you are that does that. Help me out with this one. I need to figure this out.
3: I don't know what to say. to That all right. you're not going to find out who. It is. <laughs> I mean, there is. You're not going to find. Yeah, you're not going to
0: find this out. Is you to this is pre DVR, man. Out? Yeah. Uh, I got this knowledge. is a pre DVR era, so there's probably not going to be. Uh, there's not going to be evidence of this. Oh, you could there's, there's some VHSs out there. There are some VHSs. I come
2: on. Somebody has to know. There there's got to be something out there. There there has to be. It's it's 2020. Not everything we everything before, I don't know, 1960, I think we kind of have on lock. I think there's proof of it all. I think we can figure out who who ate the turkey like. Okay. Fair enough. So this was kind of a wonky week in terms of the schedule news. Because uh, what what fans get caught doing, and, and, you know, at times I had to, is the first time you see that account tweet a leaked schedule. I mean, there's a radar that goes off. Not necessarily that, hey, this is probably BS, but no, this is the schedule. The Dolphins schedule is being released. For some reason, you know, when it's draft picks, whenever it's trades, I want to say Twitter does a pretty good job of kind of keeping track of what's real and what isn't. But once schedule mocks, I'll say, are being thrown around on Twitter, that that retweet button, it seems like isn't getting hit any faster.
0: Yeah. So, are you referring to the mocks that, like, uh, that, like Armando's tweeting out just like random leaks of games, where it's like
2: NFL
3: schedule leaks, two thousand twenty, right? That <laughs> yeah. one because yeah, this, <laughs> yeah. this this guy was leaking that like the first four games were going to be like NFC West. And, yeah. Uh, everyone was retweeting. I think John Clayton even ran with it, but then I think at some point last night he came out and he was like, yeah, I, I made all that up. I just want to see how many followers I could get. So, I, yeah, it's, it happens every year. You know, a, a fake random account from out of nowhere will tweet complete crap and everyone knows it's crap and people still retweet it. And, you know, they, they te- text their friends and tell them, hey, we're we're playing this team. I think my, my brother-in-law texted me and told me that the Eagles were st- starting the season at whoever that account leaked. I was like, dude, that's that's a fake account. You can't trust anybody. <laughs>
2: And is this like the worst, name? like mock draft or what, what, what was it again? How it's NFL draft 2020 or something, or NFL, NFL schedule? schedule
3: leaks 2020 or, or something like that? And it's then, like, and on. then after he did it, and he, he admitted he was a fake account. And he's like, if you want the real info, follow NFL leaks. <laughs> and it was another yes. account that I think he made it's, it's his pyramid I mean, scheme. Yeah, people ate it up. It's like, I don't I don't get it. I mean, I always am excited for the schedule to be released. I think we all are. But we already have an idea who they're playing. And to go that far out of your way to try to get people to follow you or retweets or whatever, that's some sad stuff.
2: <laughs> so what we're going to do, we're going to kind of go through the games. And yes, we know that everything we talk about right now isn't going to matter in four months. That's not why we're doing it, right? We're here to talk. Dolphins football and pull some things out of the air so there's a slight chance we could come back to this and you know six months and say hey we were a genius because we you know pretended to see the future or something like that right that that is
0: the real reason we're doing this yeah I'm 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 excited I mean what's the first reaction when you do see your schedule though
2: you kind of give it that side eye you you know you're you're you try to think really hard but nothing nothing's really happening and and a number just kind of comes in your head that that's really what it boils down to
3: yeah, the record, or if, you know, if they're in the hunt, I know you guys love to throw that word around there. That's one way I look at it. And in this particular case, first thing that came to mind was, when might Tua start? Because that's the million-dollar question. You know, as soon as Fitzpatrick starts to, to flounder and things start to go south, you know, that is when you're going to start hearing, whether it's the fans, the media, whoever it is, there's going to be pressure to start Tua if he is truly healthy. And by many accounts, you know, he's he and all of his reps have said he's 100% healthy. So as long as he can get up to – par with the playbook, as long as that offensive line is intact, I mean, that is what I'm looking at. When is Tua Tungvaluwa going to come in and start? And at that point, this is his team for, you know, the duration of his career, in my opinion.
2: You kind of have to look at that uh, week 11, right, as, as the, the hotbed of when Tua might start. Um, It's a pretty late bye week, so obviously there's a chance it could happen earlier. But that's kind of a weird part of the schedule. They, week 10, Jets? Week 12, Jets? Like that could be a pretty interesting scenario because you could think about what the dolphins will try to do in that game. And of course this, this only matters if the dolphins have not only a losing record, but are are floundering quite a bit here. Right. Uh, I think if Fitzpatrick has, you know, a a five game run and the dolphins are five and four, I think he does start, but it kind of makes sense in the sense of, you know, week 10, you go in there with Fitzpatrick, it's at home, hard rock stadium. I'm already second guessing myself, but, Then you go on the road to face the Jets. You kind of know what the team's going to do. You literally are the next closest film. I I don't think I ever remember seeing a team, you know, before and and following the bye week, play the same team. So I think you could really get some good film, really put him into a situation where he's playing a team he should have just recently seen. Uh, I I think that makes a lot of sense. However, as I said, you know, week 10 is at home. I don't know if you'd really start him in his first game on the road. So so that kind of is already putting a, a... damper on my plan here, but, but that's really what I'm trying to cook up here. What about think, the Bengals?
3: Bengals week okay. thirteen at home that against Joe Burrow. I mean, that'd be pretty pretty interesting. And I'm sure that game might get flexed if, you know, two of the top draft picks this year were going head to head and I mean, that that's must see T V in my opinion.
0: I think I mean that that's definitely it, uh, you know, in terms of natural appeal, right? That's probably I mean, the the game that Tua starts or the game that Tua comes in. Is definitely going to become, you know, it's going to be on the bottom line on NFL Network uh, and probably lead Sports Center. Give, you know, what I mean? Like, depending on what happens that week. Uh, I mean, do you think? Do you think Fitzpatrick is going to last till Week Eleven? Because when he was playing, with you know, last season they had to bench him uh, and put in Rosen. Right. Yeah. Um, and a lot of, pe- a like, lot of people, like, do we forget? Think,
3: that, like, a lot of people forget that there's a Fitz magic and there's a Fitz tragic and. For as yeah. good as you look last year, I mean, who's to say he's not going to, like you said, crap the bed at the beginning of the year. So I, I think that would be week 13 against the Bengals, even week 10. I mean, that's that's pretty late in the season. I mean, that, it, in that it, case, it's, if Fitzpatrick still in, you have to think the Miami Dolphins are doing pretty good at that point. So tough question to think of now and to not see the way everything played out. Because again, if two's not in camp and doesn't get those reps with the offensive line or doesn't, you know, who knows what this COVID-19 is going to do to, to derail the season as they're As each month's passed, I mean, if rookies can't report, if training camp doesn't start on time and these guys are still doing virtual, you know, virtual workouts and sessions and things like that, who knows how far along two will be? I mean, we know he's a pro's pro. He's one of the smarter quarterbacks coming out of college. I mean, he's going to pick up that offense pretty quickly. But if you're not out there getting those reps with your receivers, with the offensive line. You know, if things aren't gelling, I don't know how quick they're going to throw them in there if they don't have that time together. So it's it's really hard to sit here and think about it. I think we can all agree, though, Tua Tonevailoa is playing football for the Miami Dolphins this year. Can we agree
2: on that? Hell yeah. At least a couple games. Absolutely. And and I think that's what kind of makes it tough. I mean, I think if they had a, you know, a week seven by week, I think it'd be out in lights, like, following the bye, he's going to be the guy. Um but they, you're right, where they benched Fitzpatrick for Rosen and just for that to be flipped back around. And I don't think there's any chance that, you know, all of Twitter wouldn't riot if, if Tua came in, started a game, and then was benched, you know, in his rookie year. I, I'd be actually quite concerned if that was the case. So that that seems like an issue. Uh, Cochran, before the show, you mentioned something. You, you, you started the, the quarter... You got through the quarter mark of the season for me, so let's do it. Weeks one through four, we're gonna talk them out. New England Patriots, September thirteenth, at Gillette Stadium. Who's taking home the dub?
0: I think it's it's Dolphins. Uh, I don't. I, New England is such a wild card because, I mean, they got, they're missing Brady. Like, I mean, Brady's not there. Uh, Are you sure? It's, it's Stidham and like Edelman. So I'm I'm hoping I I. It wouldn't shock me if it's the Dolphins. Um, I mean, what do you think? I think this is just what they want us to think
2: in the sense of, you know, it all makes sense. Brady's gone. Flora's going back to New England following what happened in week 17 last year, going to stick it to his old coach again. Actually, um, old coach, old Belichick coaches do pretty well against Bill. So that is another interesting aspect but just for all that and just for the hype we gave the Dolphins throughout, you know, this whole offseason, I mean, I guess it actually is as much as a hype is more of an understanding. But expecting, hey, we can go beat uh, Tom Brady's Patriots that are on the decline. This is it. They're over. It's the perfect time for Bill Belichick to make everyone shut up. It's like
0: a trap game, right? It's a, trap it's, game. it's a
2: week one trap game. That is exactly what
0: it is. <laughs> I mean, it's if crazy you think about excited, it, though, cause... they got – Go ahead, Tofer. No, I mean, if you, I mean, they just signed Van Noy, so like that's got to help them out even more. Uh, you know, they what they signed two Patriots this offseason, so it, it's got to factor in a little bit uh, in terms of entering Week One. Uh, given that we have a Week One.
3: Yeah, I just think it's funny that we're sitting here and we're saying it's a trap game when the Dolphins, as you said, are six point underdogs, and I think someone even tagged me in a post where they said they were nine and a half, so I mean, that line's obviously going to change before the season starts, but all the Dolphins are the absolutely... Track. It's all yeah, part of the trap. They're absolutely the underdogs heading up there, but you can't overlook what they did in Week 17. I mean, the Patriots had everything to to win in that. You know, they needed to win that game and they, they just couldn't put it together. Fitzpatrick drove downfield, he hit Jasicki, we all know the story. Dolphins went up there Week 17 and, and put a whooping on them. Why can't they do that in Week 1? Again, I think this it's as cliche as it is to say if the offseason doesn't work out the way or, you know, the camp training camp and preseason doesn't happen the way we hope or, it, you know, it's planned to go along. This could factor into all of this because the Dolphins have a ton of new faces on defense, on offense. I mean, we saw how many free agents they brought in. We saw they had 11 draft picks. Then they signed a plethora of undrafted free agents. You got to get those guys in there. They got to get those reps. They got to become acclimated with the system and with the players around them. So I think a lot of that is the learning curve could factor in here. But if anyone go up there, week one, Patriots home opener, and and put a whooping on them, it's it's Stone Cold Brian Flores.
2: Week later, Buffalo Bills, Miami Dolphins home opener, uh, September twentieth. The Bills have to be the favorite in the AFC East right now. You'd have to say, right? Just just based on the, the trends, they've been you know, progressing a little bit. Uh, Tom Brady's gone. I don't know how many more times we're going to have to mention that. But this is the team to beat in the AFC East as of right now. It, it, can we agree there? Yes. Yes. So you go in here, Topher. How, how are you feeling? The Dolphins in your world,
0: the Dolphins are 1-0. Headed to Buffalo. What happens? This is a loss. This says all Bills Mafia. Uh, this team goes as far, the not this team. The Bills, I think, go as far as uh, Josh Allen can play. If he plays well, they got Stephon Diggs. Um, you know, I, I I think that's just that has lost written all over it. It just, just does. Just it,
3: just, just it. to clarify, I think the Week Two game is at home. It doesn't yes. say it right on the schedule, but the one in Week Seventeen is on away.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: So week seventeen, the final game of the season, January third, is uh, at New Era Field. And Topher, we've spoken about this a lot, and uh, I know we're jumping, you know, all the way ahead of here, but that week seventeen game, that that's a loss. Like, like throw it away. Like I know we had the Buffalo game with JJ. I know we had the game against the Steelers. Oh, but put I don't the care. Beanie,
0: put the beanie on and call it a day.
2: Once those quarterbacks, whether it's Cutler, whether it's Tannehill, whether it's Dan Marino. What If you see them bottled up, had that beanie on, the Dolphins aren't going to win that game. I know Zero there are chance. pictures out there that prove me otherwise, but I guarantee you the Dolphins are not going to win that game when that beanie and those jackets come into play.
0: Zero chance.
3: So I'm going to go on the flip side of the two of you, at least as far as the Week 2 game, and I think the Dolphins will be – I think they'll start 2-0. and oh. Patriots, Ooh. Bills, I think they'll start 2-0. and oh. I'll, I'll do it a little bit differently. What about you, Jake? Who you got winning that Week 2 game?
2: Uh, if, if I have, um, a week one loss to the Patriots, if I'm going to kind of ride that ship, I think it has to be a win. We two against Buffalo and before we, we go any farther, I do want to kind of put a cap on this because it's, it's easier to do it this way. I feel and, and help build out uh, how you plan the season to go. W- what are we thinking? Win total wise, You gave it that, you know, that crooked look like, you know, you're, you're angling your paper with the schedule on in different directions, hoping there'll be some sort of sign of. Is that six wins, nine wins? How are we feeling? What what do you guys see on the schedule in terms of total wins?
1: Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com.
0: I would. I, I mean, I, you—they have to have an improvement from five, uh, six. Realistically, six or seven.
2: Is six an improvement from last year? Would you say? No. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I think. I think. Just the way some of those games happen, especially early in the season, I think to lose six games isn't an improvement. However. How important is it for us to need to see
0: improvement in twenty twenty? It's the expectation.
3: Yeah, I think with all the money they spent for agency and all the draft picks they brought in, they got their quarterback now. They're trying to build a defensive and offensive, you know, juggernaut on both sides of the football. I think you have to see some kind of improvement, even despite how tough this schedule is. Because we're all Dolphin fans, we can sit here and say, you know, they're going to win this game or, or this game. This is a tough freaking schedule. I think it's the what the. Hard... I know you can't really go based off strength of schedule, and it doesn't really hold much merit the year after, but I think it's the toughest strength of schedule in the NFL. And I mean, it looks it on paper,
2: but like, it's important to keep in mind last year. And again, I would love for the dolphins to come out and win a bunch of football games, but after going in and thinking they, they beat the Ravens last week and they'd be, or last year, excuse me. And they'd be okay. Last year. I I am not ready to jump ship on. Hey, we're good yet. Uh, so, It's important to keep in mind, one of the big reasons why the Dolphins, quote-unquote, turned it on at the end of the year was consistency, right? Uh, All throughout the season, they were churning different players in and out, right? Uh, They signed a boatload of different uh, undrafted guys, things like that. And I think they actually had the record. I can't think of the exact number of amount of players that suited up for your team. The reason they started doing well at the end of the season, or at least most people credit to, is because they started to develop consistency. What this team and last season's team has in common might not be the same level of talent. The talent level might be a little bit higher, but that consistency is still going to take a little time to develop, especially when you look at guys like Austin Jackson and the rest of that offensive line, those guys they brought in. They need some time to grow. They need some time to develop. So I don't necessarily see as a need for, you know, we need to come out and see that three-win improvement. I don't really think where that, that's really where we're going to start to see the bright spots of this team. I think more in terms of bright spots aren't going to be, we won't see another 58-10 to 10 loss in the history of the Miami Dolphins ever again. That is the type of consistency and growth
0: I want to see. I, I think the, the growth I want to see is, is the injuries. If, if someone gets hurt, they've kind of built up this thing where they've, they've drafted and signed depth. Uh, mm-hmm. How much of a fall-off is there, say Xavier Howard goes down? Uh, how much of a fall-off is there at that number two corner? Uh, you know, a uh, wide receiver. Uh, you know, how, like, now you're going to have Albert Wilson a full year healthy. Uh, you're having Preston Williams uh, come back. Jakeem Grant, like, how much of a drop-off is if one of those guys gets hurt? Uh, heck, is there a drop-off? What about quarterback? Like, if, if Fitzpatrick comes out like and plays like crap and gets hurt, does Tua play better or does he play worse? Or does he just look like a rookie where he flashes? If not, you know, does he does he flash? Uh, does he play average? Does he like, does it look like a rookie? Uh, for me, it's all about how the depth looks uh, when, 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 this, when the injuries start to take place.
3: Yeah, it's a lot about the development like Jake touched on. You know, it really doesn't matter if we have three more wins or, or this and that. If they're in the hunt at the end of the year, and I know you guys hope they are, we all hope they are, but what really matters <laughs> is how these rookies get acclimated to the NFL game, how they start to develop and the shines the signs and you know the steps they take from that week one performance to week seventeen when they're playing the Bills. How are they coming together and and how do they develop throughout the year? Because Austin Jackson, I mean, a lot of these guys are are these high potential players that need to get acclimated and need to get out there and and need to develop into the potential superstars that the Dolphins drafted them to become. And you go down the list of who they drafted this year, every player has, you know, a kind of a a floor and this huge ceiling that if they somehow exceed expectations, you know, everything's going to be great. You know, hunt, um, Raquan Davis, the list goes on and on. Noah, a you know, every single one of these guys can come in there and however they look week one, we hope that we see a completely different guy at the end of the season because that is what you want to see. And that's what this coaching staff has done so so well over the first season. And you mentioned how they had that overture last year. I think it was 80-plus players that they just brought in each week. And we talked about in previous shows, they'd pick guys up off of waivers, and they'd be starting the next week in, in the secondary. So it's really a testament to the coaching staff. To me, I want to see how the offense handles. You know, they got Chan Gailey now, and it's a little bit – different than what we're seeing on defense even though there was overture on both sides of the coaching staff so lots of question marks but lots of excitement and how they develop throughout the year is what matters most
2: and since we all basically just said that you know the wins and losses are important tover who's winning week three
0: (laughs) (laughs) ah thursday night football uh oh that's throwback i i i think that's a dolphins win um jacksonville's gonna be terrible man so this is going to be looking a lot like
2: the um, 2016 and and no, 2017 and 2013 Dolphins where uh, you start three and zero and then everything
0: just kind of uh, derails from there. It feels terrible, man. Um, uh, so I, I that's why I think it is. I mean, if not, it, it's it's a four game, it's a four week, a four day of uh, in between. But yeah, I think that's the Dolphins win.
3: Yeah, I was being optimistic with some of those first games. You know, I I do think they can beat the Patriots, the Bills. I think they definitely beat Jacksonville, but those are three wins right there. They get started, and it just brings you back. to I think they were playing – there was that one season where they were playing the Saints, and I think both teams were undefeated. And after that, I mean, they just – they were
0: awful.
3: So, I mean, you look at the schedule here, and I know we're going to talk about it, but this is where the drop-off comes because they got Seattle week four. I mean, at home, do either of you think they're beating the Seattle Seahawks?
0: Nope. Nope. And then the the Dolphins
2: always play Seattle strong at home. You have to think about going from West Coast to East Coast. You have to think about is the sprinkler system going to be on? I wouldn't throw this late. Like it, it makes sense that this is kind of a, a you know kick to the teeth or something along those lines. But I I see this as a potential winnable game and and in a sense maybe more winnable than going to New England. oh. I don't know, man. It just it just that, that west coast, the east coast, you, you really can't discount it. Uh that heat, you know, can can Russell Wilson really run around down there in that hot, hot sun for that you know, so long. I wouldn't say that one's a complete loss just yet.
0: I mean, it might be a revenge game
2: for Clowney. Oh, I, I like what you did there. Nice. I like what you did there. And that's that's a good good way to transition here because uh the Dolphins have opened up some cap room. By renegotiating the deal with Albert Wilson, whose uh, contract went down to $3 million this year, I believe. Uh, He was supposed to make around $10 million. And to me, this really says one thing because they could have just cut him, right? Uh, and, And he could have been happy with that, go to a different place and really get to showcase his skills somewhere and that he could get a big contract. However, this keeps the door open that he likes being in Miami And he wants; he thinks he'll be able to showcase his skills here while he's trying to get that last big contract, right? So I thought this was a pretty great move for the Dolphins. And Wilson is such a fun player to watch Houts, You were posting a bunch of uh, videos on Twitter of him the other day. Um, I love this. This is like the perfect move, and I hope it works out for both sides.
3: Yeah, man. And I love Albert Wilson. I think he's an explosive player, at least before that hip injury. And, I mean, it says a lot about both the the Dolphins and Albert because he could have... You know, he could have asked to be released and maybe go on to another team, but he's decided to stick around. And it's like we've seen over the last two off-seasons. You know, the Dolphins brought in an Eric Rowe who signed a low-risk, a, a low high-reward contract. They brought in guys this off-season. Ted Karras decided to to tell New England Patriots to to get effed, and he came down to Miami where he's going to try to prove himself to be one of the better centers in the NFL. So a lot of guys want to play in Miami. I think this is, this is no different, and I'm excited to see what he can do because – You saw me post those highlights. I mean, he he was—he single-handedly beat the Chicago Bears, basically. And the guy just, every time he touched a football, was like a a rocket ship taken off. I'd love to see him catching slants from Tua. Uh, I'm excited to see if Albert Wilson can regain the form that he had before that hip injury, because at that point, he looked like the most explosive player on the Dolphins'
2: offense. Not necessarily just the Dolphins' offense, either. You could be talking about, like, in the league. Like, what he was doing was... It was absolutely insane. I, I couldn't believe it. And we really start to see that again near the end of the season. So the hope is, you know, a full season, he actually got healthy. And that's something to keep in mind, too. When, you know, the a team comes out and say it's like a four to six week recovery period, that's so they can get back on the field. But that doesn't necessarily mean these players are 100%. But Wilson really looked like he hit that groove late in the season. And, and here's to hoping, you know, the idea's got to be for him. And you mentioned uh, Ted Carras as well you stay with a team like the Dolphins, you sound like a team with the Dolphins, not only for a chance to prove it uh, on a short one-term deal, but the Dolphins have a lot of money, right? They are transfer—they're they're carrying over a-, a boatload again going into next season. They're Their cap space after what they had to deal with in 2019 is really starting to clear up. And, and these teams, or these players see somewhere, not only can they gain value at, in getting a contract, but a place they could call home for more than just that one-year period.
3: All right, so then let's take a look at week five and another NFC West team. The Miami Dolphins are taking on the NFC champions, the San Francisco 49ers in San Francisco. This is a 4 5 game. Just like you mentioned with Seattle traveling east, now the Dolphins are traveling west. Do either of you guys see them being the San Francisco 49ers?
0: Revenge game for Matt Brita. But no. <laughs> now,
2: but no. this is how we can kind of group all these other, um, or a big chunk of these teams together. And I know I'm saying this about a team that you know just went to the Super Bowl, but regression is like a really real thing. There's a reason why it's. Seen, I think the percentages at least 40% of the playoffs in any given season it's, it features brand new teams, right? Right around half of the le- or half of the playoff field are brand new teams every year. Uh, the San Francisco uh, defense was incredible, but was that second half uh, in the Super Bowl? kind of a hint at maybe this team isn't as great. You know, they call it, you know, the the fire in the bottle, whatever that saying is. I think I just uh, butchered it. But uh, lightning in a bottle. There it is. And at least I didn't say water in the bottle, right? But this is a team, too, where until we see, like, more than a one-year stretch. I mean, look what the Rams did last year, right? They had their fair share of struggles. I mean, it's easy to kind of fall in love with a playoff run, and there's no reason you shouldn't. Obviously... Obviously, it shows a team is good, but the the gap from you know six and and six and ten
0: and ten and six really isn't that big. I mean, usually with that regression though comes injuries. That's true it, too. It's, yeah, it's like it's like you yo. So the regression factors in when like Garoppolo doesn't play well, or he's like just or he's just playing average when you expect him to be better. On top of injuries, uh, I mean they they lost Emmanuel Sanders uh, you know they obviously lost uh, Matt Breida. I don't I mean say what you want about him, but he was he 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 performed for them for some games uh you know and and they made some moves on defense where they I think they got rid of what uh, not Eric Armstead, but who's the other one that went to Indianapolis? Uh, they traded him for a first round pick uh so the, the regression is gonna the regressions gonna come in with the injuries and I mean, and and it's expected. Uh, I think a lot of these teams are gonna have regressions even if like, Just because of what's going on right now, yeah, the Forrest Buckner. I I think a lot of these teams are going to have a regression because of the situation that they're in. Uh, You're holding virtual workouts. Like, how in the hell are you doing that? Uh, That's time. Like, like this is all times that like we don't. You know, we don't know how much is going to happen when they. You know, they're not going to be meeting with their coaches in the in the summer that we they they normally do. So you're going to expect some regression. And I think the Niners are going to have it big time. And so we don't, like, get hung up on the schedule too long. I think you can truthfully say that about
2: the Niners, the Broncos, who just really uh, jacked up their offense, the Chargers, you know, is Justin Herbert going to come in and and really just kind of run the show type of thing? Uh, Rams, again, the Rams could go right back to being a Super Bowl team. You know how talented they are. Uh, Cardinals, too, does Kyler Murray really break out in his second year? Did they give him the help he needs? Uh, The Jets, (laughs) <laughs> the Jets.
0: <laughs> yeah. <move
2: on. laughs> they closed the season with Kansas City, New England, uh, Raiders, and Bills. So I really think the, those first nine weeks can really. We'll know what team that I. As much as I want them to be in the hunt, I think we're going to know the destiny of this team before they face the Jets.
3: Yeah, because those are some tough games, and it's the entire NFC West. I think the Cardinals are going to be light years better now that they got DeAndre Hopkins. Kyler Murray's probably gonna have, have an MVP season. The Rams, funny that you mentioned them, because you said that they kind of took a step back last year. Ever since they played, they ran into Brian Flores' defense in the Super Bowl. Sean McVay doesn't quite look like that offensive genius that many people thought he was. The Chargers, if they throw Tyrod Taylor out there, I mean that I I don't know what they're gonna do at quarterback. It, will Justin Herbert be ready by Week Seven? Probably, but ha- what does that mean for for their playoff aspirations. Cause I think that Justin Herbert is better than Tyrod Taylor, but Taylor's been there. He has that offense down and the Broncos. I mean, we saw them last year. They rejuvenated on the offensive side of the football. Drew Locke looks like the real deal. And that defense under Vic Fangio is out of this world. So I, I think you're right. Heading into that jets game, November 15th, we're going to have a gr- great idea of who the Miami dolphins are. And we should have a great idea about how some of these free agents, these undrafted guys, and these rookies that the dolphins brought in this off season, how they look. And I, I think the million dollar question is going to be whether or not Tua Tagovailoa is in the lineup at that point, or if we're still waiting for him to come in there, because this is a brutal schedule, and we can sit here and say they're going to win whatever games we want, or, or lose, and, and no one truly knows, and and like we've all mentioned, it, this everything going on in the world is going to play a factor, whether we want to admit it or not, but at the end of the day, the best football team goes out there, and the better coach team will go out there, and they'll they'll find a way to overcome adversity and win games, and you got to feel good about the way the Dolphins look right now, but we got to remember going through the schedule. Twenty twenty is not the year where the Dolphins are, you know, supposed to steal the AFC East. It's wide open. They have a chance to do it this year, but everyone is pretty much, you know, throwing throwing Buffalo at the top of the mountain, and New England's right behind them. But what the Dolphins do in twenty twenty is set the foundation up for next year when, no matter what, Tua Tagovailoa is going to be the starting quarterback. And at that point, you know, you had these two drafts with all this draft capital. You've brought all these free agents, you had all this money to spend. At that point, that is when you're going out there and to compete. So 2020, in my opinion, is just an amuse hoosh before you, know, you get your main course. And I think we can all just sit back, be happy that football is coming, and just enjoy the season because how these players develop is going to set the foundation for many years of Miami Dolphins football.
2: So l- l- let's get close to wrapping up the show here on Sider Radio. Um, l- l- let's chat about the, the jersey numbers for a minute here and I'm going to preface this by saying, I'm not cool. Whatever number you want, fantastic. I didn't really, I wasn't really too invested. Um, I know a lot of Twitter was, and a lot of people were. But the, the couple things that I saw that kind of made me jump up and say, oh, wow, you know, that, that's probably as, as intrigued as I got about this thing uh, was Cameron Wake's number being used. Um, Rashad Jones' number going to Matt Breida. And, you know, we got another Ricky Williams on the team, Jordan Howard, I guess. Th- those were the things that really stuck out to me.
3: For me, it was number one. I mean, I have i don't know if it was as a kid liking Muggsy Bogues, and ever since then, I just, you would associate the number one on a football field to a superstar, and I know there's been kickers in Dolphins history that have rocked that number. Most kickers... Cody Parkey wore number one. But you look at the Kyler Murrays, the Cam Newtons, you know, the Warren Moons, the list goes on and on of these quarterbacks that rock the number one. And I know it doesn't look right when you go to the NFL shop. You know, it does not look good sitting there on a basic plain jersey, but it's the number one selling jersey. You know, he has two top three selling jerseys in the NFL right now. He picked the number one. He gave a great explanation. Audience of one. This is a man of faith. You have to you have to just love Tua of and we're dolphin fans. You know, we loved him for years leading up to this draft and now they got him. I think the number one's gonna fit him perfectly and you see the mocks coming out. People love it. I, I didn't have an issue with Agba taking 91 because I think that if he if, if Cam Wake's number and people made a huge fuss about that shouldn't be used, why the hell is Jordan Howard using Ricky Williams number? I, I get that he quit on the team. That's the argument everyone's making as to why other players can wear that. But Ricky Williams, to me, in my opinion, and I'm probably going to get crapped on for this, he meant more to me as a Miami Dolphin than Cam Wake did, and I'm, I'm just sorry that I have to say that. Matt Breida, number 20, Rashad Jones, again, great player. I, w- I would rather, I'd probably, I'm a little bit more upset with Matt Breida wearing Rashad Jones' number than I might be that Og was wearing Cam Wake. So uh, what about you, Tofa? Which of these numbers stuck out to you? Are there any that make you upset or any that you just absolutely despise?
0: Uh, I think 34 is untouchable. Uh, Ricky Williams has a special place in my heart. Uh, that's probably Thank you. the last time I was 100% legit excited, crying at Dolphin games. Uh, <laughs> it was when it was when Ricky Williams was on the Dolphins. Like I cried when he retired. Uh, when he like I was fully like, wearing jerseys to watch the game at home type invested. Uh, now I'm an old man, so I don't do that too much. But for me, Ricky Williams is untouchable. Uh, Rashad Jones, I kind of get because it's still kind of sensitive. But, you know, when it's all said and done, we're going to look back at Rashad like, oh, he was just a great player for his career as a Dolphin. Uh, Once made some Pro Bowls, but he's just going to fade off into oblivion. Uh, Cam Wake, I don't know, man. To me, the barometer is Ricky Williams. I'm surprised that's not retired. Uh, And I'm surprised that they're allowing someone to wear it. Because he's he's like the... Uh Howard's like the second player to wear it, right? There was another Dolphin that wore thirty four as well at one point. Damian Williams, Damian Williams. wore it at one point. Yep. Yeah.
3: And nice. so do you agree did you see the outbre like people were upset on Twitter about the Cam Wake thing, but they were just completely oblivious to to Ricky Williams and everyone just kept saying it's because he quit on the team. I Oh I no, think...
0: Ricky Williams is a god he's a god in my eye, man. Yeah, He's a god. I,
3: I agree and I, I, I also cried when he retired and I remember that day very vividly. It was a sad day. And I mean I think that number, if any of these guys' numbers should be retired, it's definitely thirty-four. I know people were upset about Noah Igbenogany wearing number forty-six. They said that was a terrible cornerback number, and I think Ugh, I think so. I think somebody even tweeted out oh. that like there has never been a number forty-six that had success at cornerback. So hopefully it changes that. But I mean, I I think the numbers I think the numbers went about as good as we could have expected.
0: <laughs> forty-six six is been someone the that you. Been- 46 <laughs> is awesome. someone that you give someone who's an undrafted free agent to be a gunner on special teams. Gunner on special. Yeah. <laughs> I like, mean even the
3: even the long snapper guy. Just go there. out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like just go out there and just tackle someone or don't get hurt. Like just if you get hurt, you're on the next week. Like 46 is a horrendous number. Uh but yeah, man. Uh I what I saw number one. I, I don't I, I was I'm still contemplating on buying it. I'm gonna buy the jersey eventually. Or the shirt, more of a shirtsy guy. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just so excited that he's like the number one selling jersey. Like I can't like that. I can't believe. I cannot believe. One like I that that doesn't fathom. Like I can't understand that right away. Uh, and I but I did have an inkling that that was eventually going to happen, and that's why you draft Tua. Is whether you're hesitant on his health, if you get him, that's box office. Like, that's what you, that's the expectation is the jersey sales. I just can't, like, I, it's crazy that it's like this week is when his number was revealed that he's already the top the selling jersey in, in the league right now.
3: Two weeks after he was drafted.
0: <laughs> Two weeks it's after he was drafted. It's insane.
3: He's, he's, yeah, it is, that is pretty crazy. In,
0: in terms of popularity, he's got to be the second most popular Dolphin ever.
3: I'm, yeah, I'm not gonna argue that, that. I mean, you talked about Ricky Williams like you talked about Ricky Williams, I mean
0: he's he, more was, popular he had than a Ricky place in,
3: yeah he had, Ricky had a place in my heart, but to a time of Iloa, he's, he's he's right underneath marina. I mean there's a huge I mean, gap there but he he's right underneath and know for me
0: he's gonna be at that dolphin jersey is gonna be at Bama games if when Alabama plays, you're gonna see two dolphin jerseys in in the in the stadium uh you know, when, when, when they're playing on CBS against LSU, like, I just, it's, it's insane to me that in terms of just pop jersey popularity, he's up there with Dan Marino. And he hasn't done anything. Crazy.
2: I think I saw uh, someone posted on Twitter that uh, they ordered a Tua jersey, and it's like, Thanks for your order. You'll be getting it by, like, October
0: 4th. I, I saw that. <laughs> that sucks. I, so I, I, well, well, I'll say this. So I was digging up my Josh Rosen order because I was hoping I could return it and use that credit to get it to a shirtsy. I can't because it's been 90 days. But you know what? You shoot your shot. Uh, my order said that expect your Josh Rosen jer- shirtsy by October 6th. Uh, awesome. You're get it. you going to get it in July. Uh I would expect it to be like you'll get it in July. My Jay Cutler uh, one I didn't get till October. Speaking of Jay, speaking of Jay Cutler,
2: <laughs> man just wants to live on his farm and, uh, and apparently his uh, wife was not too happy with that. He's um, the man.
3: I'm so happy that you got a Jay Cutler jersey, and I'm even more happy I'm so that, mad, that I'm Tofu
0: has it. I'm, <laughs> I'm mad that Jay got one. I would trade <laughs> a Jay. I would trade in. A Josh Rosen shirtsey for, or a, a Josh Rosen jersey for a J-Color Cutler shirtsey. Like, if I could buy that, I would. If I could buy it right now on Amazon and it's like thirty five dollars, I'd buy it. That's the thing, like that's why I bought it. Like at the time, and I, I think we had these talks, uh, Chris. It was
2: if he does well, sick. If not, in like three years, this is gonna be the coolest jersey in Dolphin history. We're gonna like, wear dude, it to like, the, the beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people are gonna be like, dude, that's an awesome jersey, and that. That's basically what it boils down to. That and you know, I know you want to get it of your you know favorite players and everything like that. Sometimes you just want a good story, you know.
0: One hundred percent agree.
2: But with you're that, you're
3: not going to get a good story with Josh Rose with your Josh Rosen How? jersey. Sorry, Chris. did you
0: buy the jersey? Did you buy a Tua jersey yet?
3: I I didn't. What I, I was going to say, I'm I'm kind of waiting. I want to see when they release throwbacks because everyone was upset because right now they have four XL Tua jerseys and that's Ugh. the only throwback you can get. So I want to wait until you your,
0: how long is your hair? What if you put your hair underneath the underneath the jersey? <laughs> and just provide some extra cushion. It's kind of like it's like a like a Polamalu, uh, hair.
3: That's a good idea. I might have to do that. But I, I think we have to wait because they have to honor Don Shula in some way. And to get a mm-hmm. to a jersey with a Don Shula patch on it, I mean, does it get any better than that? A throwback. That would be that would be the perfect jersey. So I'm holding out hope for that.
0: How many of you re- remember Don Shula? coaching like is that before your time jake Uh 100 percent. i wrote a, take- a column
2: about it today and and basically it was a lot of i wish i could have you know the, the thing i missed out on was you know sitting there cracking open a beer watching a game you know with your family or friends and seeing shula on the sidelines and a no-name defense out there or you know a random sunday of seeing marino go bananas with shula on the sidelines i don't really have any of those you know, personal mm-hmm. stories where like, and I don't, it doesn't have to be like, you know, I met him and all this. It's just like, you make these memories like a Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson, you know, high-fiving, that's going to stick with me. And it's always going to feel a sudden type of way from when, seeing it, being excited about it, you know, that yeah. type of stuff. Shula, I mean, I the, the one, it's it's nearly impossible to wrap your head around the success and everything he was able to accomplish. And, and two, it, it's hard to think about something like that when, when you don't have any of those dolphin memories yourself.
0: I, I, I think I grew up with him down because I, I was I was born and raised down here. So, like, I remember going to his restaurant with my grandpa and all that. Um, Shula Steak, too, like, at a hotel. Like, it was a huge thing. It's a restaurant down here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I was taken back by the record. Uh, um, I didn't realize it. Like, I, I just – I couldn't compute it that, like, you know, he had, like, what, two losing seasons. Insane. Um, and he's, like – I mean, I I, I, I get that – yeah, 33 seasons. I get he's a god, like, and I fully understand that. Uh, you know, I, I just like I, I started getting tuned in on the Dolphins with the tour, the at tail end of Marino, and that was but what like eight at the time. Uh, with and then the Jimmy Johnson, like if you were to go to, like Dolphins era for me, it's Wandstat. Uh Wonstad to like now. Because that's what I could actually read and listen and understand what uh passing touchdown was.
3: Yeah, I think we're both in the same boat. I wish I, at his, as a young age, I could remember just all those memories that Schull had in those games with him and Marino. I wish I, you know, understood the game of football more back then because, like we said on our podcast earlier in the week, I, I think I saw five seasons of Don Schull and Dan Marino together, and I think that's for some reason I always remember the two of them, and that's why I got into the Miami Dolphins. But I thought I witnessed more of Don Schull than I did, and I. I I mean, I can't go back in time and be born sooner, but it would be nice because there will not be a better coach than Don Shula.
2: That That's a quality way to wrap the show if you ask me. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to listen. Uh, it's it's pretty cool when we actually have some football stuff to talk about. It was a nice flutter of, of different news things where we could even make you know talking about the jerseys work for a little while. You know, Albert Wilson, uh, the schedule being released. And, and it's fun to really just kind of – Pull these numbers out of thin air. Yes, we know. I mean, these things really don't matter in terms of four or five months from now. But it's fun to talk about, rant about, it, and kind of try to, you know, prepare for the future. Uh, for the Be- before we
3: go, oh, no, we need to hear predict. We need to hear predictions. Everyone needs to give a, a 2020 way too
2: early prediction. Topher, you go first. Six and ten. Oh boy. Um.
3: Staff,
0: Seven, and Seven, Seven and, and nine. Seven and nine. Yeah. I mean, this, I'm looking at it. Like, it's... it's I think brutal. we continually downgrade <laughs> the Dolphins bad. and upgrade other teams. Like, uh... Jake has reasons when he has merit when he says teams that have to go East Coast go... Teams that go West Coast to East Coast. They have two of those teams. Actually, no, three see? of them Three see? of those. Uh... You know, they do play the Bengals. You don't know what you're going to expect from that. Uh, and you got to factor in, like, a wacky game against New England, whether it's week one or week 15. Uh, and then you factor in the Jets. You know what? Oh, sorry, Seven, eight and eight. Six and ten to eight and eight in a matter of 30 seconds. Jake, you <laughs> suckered me in. I'm out. I'm out. Send it, it in. in. <laughs> Send it in. I didn't say anything. He,
2: it, it's great because what I said a half an hour ago is just finally resonated. Right? It's, it's in the back of his head, kind of giving him hints. Uh, my, my head says six and ten. My heart says nine and seven.
3: Bleep it. Send it in. <laughs> That's it. Uh, those are our predictions.
2: Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. As always. Please hit that subscribe button. It really helps us quite a bit. Same with giving us a response. Let us know what you believe the Dolphins will go in 2020 with your way too early predictions that hold no merit. Um, Hit us with those five-star ratings. Let us know. Follow us on Twitter. I am at GMetal94. T Z for Houts. That's it. Cochran 108 for Christopher Topher. Go for Cochran. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening to Finsider Radio. We look forward to chatting with you next time. And most importantly, Fins
3: up. Fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of
4: the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami to talk to Super Bowl cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami-